Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name's Rich, the host around these parts. So glad that you've decided to tune in today. Uh, we know that you've got a lot going on at your church. There's a lot of things. You've got a lot of time pressure uh, in your world. And we're just thankful that you take some time out to listen in to today's conversation. We're hoping that today will be encouraging for you, provide you some good handles, and maybe challenge you a little bit to think a little differently uh, about your ministry. Today, uh, it's our honor to have Chad Fisher with us. Chad is from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, leads a church there called Rock City Church. Church. This is one of the fastest growing churches in the country. A few years in a row has been, you know, pe- pegged as one of those, which just means they figured a few things out and are wrestling with some of the right uh, questions and have, have, and God seems to be blessing their ministry. And so I'm super excited uh, to have Chad on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Oh, that's great. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Rock City? Kind of, you know, how did you get started? Give us that story. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of what we're going to talk about uh, really comes from uh, our story in the beginnings. Um, I was an, I was a 20-something that wanted to serve in ministry, um, but I was finding there was a real disconnect generationally. Um, my church was essentially, as a 20-year-old, my church was the youth ministry. I was a youth leader. Um, and over the course of probably a three-year stint in youth ministry as a volunteer, I could probably count on one hand in three years the number of times I attended that church on a Sunday morning. There it was just a, a, a wide disconnect. And and so early on, um, as I was serving in ministry and really, you know, asking the Lord, God, what do you want to do through me and, and how can you use me to make a difference? Um, it was uh, on one hand, it was how can you use me to make a difference in my generation? Because I was seeing a ton of my Christian friends that I grew up with and went to Christian school with um, falling away. Um, most of them, probably 80 percent of my Christian friends that I grew up with no longer are walking with Jesus today. Um, and so one was, how can you use me to make a difference in their life? And then the second thing was, you know, how can we start to break down the, the generational barriers that exist in, in ministry um, in, instead of being so compartmentalized, you know, where we have our, our kids ministry, our junior high, high school, college, and then young adults. And then finally, like the, the, the big people church, right? And so, um, and there, there's very little interplay between um, the, the age groups. And so uh, ours was just a real desire to make a difference for Christ. But also, I think in me, you know, it was a desire to have elders mentoring me that I, I could not find. Um, it was, it was to, to be the church as one that I think Jesus sees in the church and um, just wasn't finding that. And so early on, um, felt like the Lord was leading us to plant a church, um, had no idea what that looked like and what that meant as a you know early 20-something. And so we sat on it for years. Um, I ended up serving full-time in a church as a youth pastor and a worship leader. Um, spent about five and a half years in that full-time role. Um, that didn't end very well for uh, me and for my family. So um, we became sort of, um, we became sort of uh, like church orphans, if you okay. will. Um, and uh, it was in that, that season, the in-between, uh, a real test of our faith that the Lord began to reawaken this desire to start a church. And we felt like we were in a different place, a better place, but also a more desperate place as well. And um, the Lord just really connected us with the right people. We connected with the ARC Network, uh, the Association of Related Churches, mm-hmm. uh, another church in our city at the time. We were living in Toledo at the time, and Cedar Creek Church out of Perrysburg, Ohio. Mm-hmm. That's they, a great church. Uh, 
great church, great leaders. They recognized something in us that, that we weren't able to recognize at the time. Mm-hmm. And so they just became friends to us, encouraged us, and uh, helped us realize the dream. We planted the church in 2011 mm-hmm. and uh, have not looked back. Just <laughs> year over year, um, I, I say that you can't plan for growth. Mm-hmm. but you can be prepared for it. Mm. I think that's been our strategy. Um, you know, we don't have huge growth goals. We're not trying to break records or, um, you know, we, we don't so much plan uh, for growth, but we prepare for it. Mm. We, we just, we want to make sure that we're ready for the people that, that we expect God to send hmm. um, and we, that we're able to minister rightly Yeah, that our staff is prepared that financially we have the margin that we need to, uh, you know, seize the opportunities as God brings them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's been a it's been a fun story. We're four and a half years in now at mm-hmm. Rock City and uh, loving every second of it. Very cool. Now, why Rock City? For people that aren't familiar, why that name? That's a that's a, a unique name. Yeah, I, I guess so. Uh, it didn't seem too unique to us. We, uh, <laughs> you know, we had the interesting. Um, uh, I guess part of our, our story was interesting in that we, we felt called to plant a church before we knew what city we would move to. Okay. And so that's interesting. And so growing up in Ohio, mm-hmm. um, that seemed like license to us to pick the warmest uh, coastal city that we could find. Yes. Um, so so we felt called to start a church. We said, let's, let's move to Atlanta or let's go to Asheville, North Carolina, or let's go to Miami or just someplace, you know, warm, beautiful coast yes. or just tropical or whatever. And, you know, tropical compared to Ohio. Yes. Um, <laughs> my wife and I were in a, in a car driving uh, to Atlanta and there's a place called Rock City. It's in Tennessee. It's a little like scenic view thing and actually it cost a little too much for us at the time to even go see the what the view looked like <laughs> but, uh, but the sign said sea rock city and uh and it just sort of clicked to us and you know um our dream was lord and, and desire was lord put us in a city that that we can really shake mm. um that, that we can really make an impact a difference in and, and you know we were in atlanta looking uh and praying um there seemed to be many churches shaking that city. Atlanta, Atlanta has a lot of churches, great churches. Yes. But we just didn't feel like, you know, that was us. And when the Lord eventually called us to Columbus, yep. we felt like, okay, there's a lot of great churches in Columbus, but this city, there was a feel that, you know, we can shake this city, we can rock this city. Mm. And so really that's where it came from. Not overly spiritual. No, that's cool. It's kind of, yeah. Cool. Like, um, well, let's look back at part of what you had said earlier. I, you know, appreciate what you were saying around, um, which to me, I think for some people that are listening might seem like contradictory goals right. at one point saying, Hey, I want, I don't see a church that's, that's maybe being as effective as kind of reaching my, um, you know, my generation. And there, you know, this idea of like 80% of your friends, you know, who were in the church turning away, but right. then at the same time saying, I want to create a church that's, mu- that's kind of multi-generational that right. those seem at odds with each other. Tell me about that. Yeah, and I think they probably uh, are at odds with each other in a lot of ways, um, particularly for older churches. I, I do think that it's it's much harder for older churches um, to engage young people. It is very difficult. I think that we um, th- there's a, there's a, this whole new wave of church planning, right? And it's being led by a lot of young pastors and. Um, and it's not that older churches can't engage young people; it's just harder for them. Right. I think that we, as as young pastors, and, and through this amazing church plant movement that's really happening right now across the nation, churches are popping up everywhere, and uh, they're growing fast. They're reaching lost people. Yep. I think we, as young people, have a unique opportunity in this moment mm-hmm. to be the ones to engage the elder generation. Mm-hmm. And and so it's not that the elder generation isn't trying to engage young people; it's just very difficult when right. it's when it works that way. 
I think that we need young pastors, young leaders um, to be wise enough to know that we don't know all the answers. We're not smart enough on our own. We, we don't have the experience that, that the elder generation has. And, and we're just finding that it's a unique opportunity for us as young people to not just surround ourselves with young people, but to be absolutely intentional mm. about building into our teams um, people from elder generations that 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 can speak into our lives, that bring wisdom, experience, and um, and it just doesn't happen on by accident. It, right. It's a very very much intentional effort on our part. Mm. Um, we talk about it a lot. Um, you know, we we uh, we give examples a lot of people that we're connecting to. Um, it, you can see it on our staff. Uh, we all don't look the same. Right. Uh, we have we have a, one uh, husband and wife that just joined our staff. They're 67 and 62 years old. Um, not something you might expect from right. one of the fastest growing churches in America, one of the youngest pastors in America, leading yes. yep. a church like Rock City. So, but we love it. Uh, right. We love what he can bring. They they've served in ministry thirty years. That's uh, amazing. So we're we're learning a lot from them. I just think it takes a real intentional focus, right, to do that. So why don't you kind of unpack that a little bit? What would you say some of that intentionality you're you know trying to bake into Rock City around reaching millennials and this kind of multi generational deal? Well, I think if no matter what church you are, I, I think that to reach young people, um, programming is is almost everything, right? Mm. So um, it, it's amazing. We just uh, sat down with a group of, of young interns, like mm. young, young millennials to older millennials, but there were a lot of young millennials. Right. And we we said, you know, what do you see in 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 Rock City that is is um, that ways that we're being successful at reaching millennials, right? Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that came up in, in every category, in every meeting was creativity mm. and, and branding. Mm. Um, th things that seem like the least spiritual uh, <laughs> element, right? But but it's it's like that it's that persona. Um, it's it's what we see in the world. We we see very clear imagery. Um, mm -hmm. There's there's clarity in 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 communication. When you look mm -hmm. at the brands that are like running the world right mm -hmm. so but then you you walk into a church and there's nothing relatable usually mm -hmm. uh, and so i think that um a, a lot of the programming the the marketing the graphics the video that that side of ministry really mm -hmm. matters to young people what mm -hmm. I, we're what we found out though is that when you make programming uh, shape your programming around reaching millennials you are automatically going to reach their parents and their grandparents. Hmm, interesting. Because when you get a, a 25 or a 35 year old that walks through the doors of your church, maybe mm -hmm. they grew up in church, but they have done left the church. It's been 15, 20 years, and their that that parent, that grandparent has been praying for that kid mm -hmm. for 10, 15, 20 years. Can't yes. do anything to get them to step foot in in a church, right? But now they're seeing. Not only is my son going to church, but he's serving. He's giving. Mm. He's going on missions trips. He's posting videos on Facebook. He's wearing flat bills that have his church name on it. Like, yes. when did that become cool? Right, right. Or to put your church on a shirt and wear it, right? Like, right. The, I don't know know when that became cool, but um, it's because God is doing something in their life, and so the parents and grandparents see that, and so mm. they start to come. What they feel. Uh, immediately when they walk through the doors, they look around. They're not used to seeing so many young people in church, and so there's there's a barrier there. Mm. And so the, the the quicker that you can break down that barrier, when you as a younger church see an older person walk through your doors, you better engage them within the first two minutes. You, right. you, 
You better welcome them warmly. You better give them the grand tour. You better treat them like they're royalty. Why? Because you need them. The, the right. church it can't be healthy if, if we're not a church of all ages. And so, so it takes intentionality on our part. And I think for older churches, the challenge is going to be uh, staffing younger, mm -hmm. uh, powering and engaging the younger generations. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, that's going to be easier for me to say than, than do because mm -hmm. we're the young church for 20 yes. years from now, uh, we'll be faced with that. Right. Are we staffing younger? Are we surrounding ourselves with creatives that are doing things that don't make sense to us? <laughs> they, they know that they make sense to their generation. And so, you know, we're, we're intentional. Our, our board um, is uh, very diverse uh, mm -hmm. age-wise. Our staff, like I said, we just had a 67-year-old pastor of 30 years join our staff. Mm -hmm. uh, we love that. It says a lot to the 20-somethings on our staff mm -hmm. as well that, you know what, we all don't have to look good in a flat bill. Right. We are, we are, and we don't want the 67-year-old or the 45-year-old or the 55-year-old to feel like you've got to be in skinny jeans and wear yes. Air Jordans to do ministry. You come as you are. You you look who you are. You just be who you are, and, um, and, and, and young people are going to respect you. And you're going to have an opportunity not only to learn from the young people, but the young people are going to have a great opportunity to learn from you. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of pastors that are listening in that, uh, you know, they would say, gosh, I, I feel like the, um, you know, the millennial generation, we're not doing a good job. And sometimes they can try those kind of superficial approaches like let's uh, I'll cut my hair shorter, I'll grow a beard and I'll, you know, put on skinny jeans. And that doesn't, you know, resonate. What would you say or maybe some of maybe more deeper philosophical, you know, kind of um, approaches to ministry that you feel like are resonating well with millennials? Are there, you know, any of those that go beyond kind of the surface? I think simplicity and generosity. Okay, tell uh, me about that. Those are the two things that that um, really define our church. So, so mm -hmm. simplicity, um, the messaging is simple. Mm -hmm. uh, the worship experiences are simple. Um, you know, we don't use a lot of like we don't do stage props and, and, and use a ton of message illustrations and we don't stack our services with a bunch of announcements and, um, and try to fill it up with, with as much as we can fill it up. We, we start with worship. We, we say, come on, let's stand and worship. So we start with worship. We might have a bumper video. Uh, mostly we have a bumper video that might be a minute or two that will lead lead the way from worship into the message. The message, it's about Jesus. It's 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 the straight gospel. It's mm -hmm. not a watered-down version mm -hmm. of the gospel. Um, this, the gospel is simple. The mm -hmm. gospel is life-changing. The gospel is convicting. Uh, the gospel hurts sometimes when you hear it, but... Mm -hmm. but what young people are looking for is they're looking for simple truth. They're not looking for how to try to convince people to follow Jesus. They, what they want to know is what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does the Bible mm, what say? What does it look like? Yeah. Uh, what does it look like? What, what does the Bible say about uh, cultural issues that we're faced with? Don't, mm. don't tiptoe. Just give them Jesus. Teach them the word of God. Mm. And then they're going to have the opportunity to either say yes or no. Right. Um, and because you've been honest and forthright and you do so in love and the message is simple and there's not a bunch of, of frill and, and, and add-ons, um, you know, you, you end the message, you give them one last time to respond to Jesus, maybe sing a worship song at the end, and then mm -hmm. before you leave, hey, three things we want you to know. Um, and that, that's it. So very simple services, um, very simple programming. Mm -hmm. Okay, question for you. So, um, you know, I'm a 40-something guy leading in a church that 10 years ago was really hip. Um, and right. I think we still are. You know, I still think we do some cool things. But um, what would your challenge be? 
I think there, my sense is that there, you know, some churches we can over-program, to use your language, there's kind of the frill and the add-on. What would be some of those things that you've seen as more typical in, say, a generation older, you know, programming that you, that for your church, you feel like that's just too much. We need to pull back from that. Oh, man. Um, feeling like you have to start with a song that people know. Okay. Um, like, 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 like something from, you know, the top 40 radio or something. Bill Taylor I just, Swift. Right. I, Nothing wrong with that person. Yes, yeah, I, I get that. I, I asked you. I asked you to but, give it to me. But, come on. But but it's an example because I think when people come to church, they just expect to hear something that is Christian, right? I mean, they they're, they're in church, so you don't have to play something from outside of church. Um, yes. I think that some a lot of churches tend to just do way too many videos, um, mm. way too many transitions. There there's there's way too much disconnect from from our time of worship, which should just jump in, and then our time of, of hearing the word of God and being able to respond. It's like we try to put so much right. into it that disconnect is everywhere and so I just think simple I think also programming um, or not programming but but the way that the church functions so we say if you walk through the doors of Rock City we say we want you to experience Jesus here in this worship experience we want you to find a life group because right. we all need friends that are going to help us follow Jesus and we want you to serve on a ministry team right that is it right. um, as you're as you're experiencing Jesus as you're serving on a ministry team as you're engaging in a life group guess what you're going to live out uh, the heart of God. You're going to learn what it means to be generous. You're going to learn how to share your faith. You're going to grow in your faith. You're going to be challenged. So we don't have a bunch of programs, ministries. We right. just say Classes, get in a life group, get in a life group, serve on a ministry team, bring your friends and family and unsafe coworkers and neighbors to church with you, um, and, uh, and and let's just let's keep winning uh, the people around us to Christ. So just the asks is, is simple. The message um, is simple, but it doesn't mean shallow. So absolutely. Earlier, shallow. Earlier, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you had mentioned generosity. That kind of stuck into me. That's a, something that you really saw as like a, you know, a value. You want your, you know, your church to be generous as well. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, generosity. I mean, it's it, it it's in our DNA, um, oh. and and it is in the DNA of Christianity, right? I mean, God is generous. He gave His Son, so He didn't have to. He did. Right. So. Um, everything we do as a church, we're, we're looking at it as, okay, how are we reaching lost people and how are we modeling the heart of Christ? And the heart of Christ, I mean, God, the heart of God is generous. So um, one of the things we do to break down the barrier is uh, people expect to walk through the doors of a church and, and, and they're asked for money. Mm -hmm. One of the things we let people see every Sunday is just for being here, we're making a donation in your honor. So just for showing up through something we call one for one, yep. for every person that walks through our doors every week, and it doesn't matter if you attend two services, we'll count you twice. Every, <laughs> every week, we're going to set aside $1 to meet a local or global need. We call it one for one. So if 2,000 people walk through the doors this weekend, we'll give $2,000 this week to a, a local organization or a global need. If 3,000 people walk through the doors, $3,000. So it's really cool. And what, what we've found is in the early days of our church, when it was just a few hundred, um, they, there were stories like, hey, through one for one, we were able to bless a single mom with groceries. And here's a letter she wrote. We didn't, you know, obviously we don't say who, who it is, right, right, all the time. But here's a letter. Here's how, uh, just for being a part of this church, for showing up, we were able to bless this family. As as our church has grown, um, we'll take an entire month. Sometimes we'll take two months and say for August and September, for every person who walks through our doors, we're going we're gonna to take one for one and we're going to give it to this and you're talking about multiplied thousands of dollars that can yeah, meet incredible practical needs and you know and it doesn't this is what it, like a lot of churches pastors they'll, they'll say I don't know how we can do this like how do we implement it and 
the reality is when we implemented it, we had no idea what it, how it would affect our bottom line. Um, we had no idea how we could afford it. We just decided to do it right. and realized that as we began to do it, the giving increased, mm -hmm. the generosity of the people increased. We also um, don't reward uh, guests with a gift, um, which that's, I mean, we used to, but we, <laughs> we thought, why, why give something to them just for getting their information? Why not model for them what this church can do? And so we say, if you're a first-time guest, we so much value you that if you fill out a guest card, for every first-time guest card we get this weekend, we're going to make a $5 donation in your honor to one of the most well-respected and known um, non-Christian organizations in our city. It's called the Mid-Ohio Food Bank. Yep. Um, but they, they, the Mid-Ohio Food Bank is, is what's stocking the shelves of almost every food pantry in, in Ohio. So uh, it's, it's not a Christian organization per se, but they're, they're, they're doing the ministry of Christ. And people love that. It's like, man, just for filling out a card, this card is worth $5. And through our partnership with Mid-Ohio Food Bank, they are able to provide $50 worth of groceries for every $5 donation. Wow. Because they've got partnerships with banks and they've got matching uh, donors and, and they've got partnerships with Kroger and other you know uh, uh, places that, that, that are in the food market. So they're able to take a $5 give, put $50 worth of groceries on a, on a person's table. If you're a guest, are you not going to fill out a card if you know like not only is this five dollars but it's going to provide fifty dollars worth of food it just lets people see that what the church is all about and it lets people start to understand the power of the collective like when we collectively come together and make right. up our mind to do something significant to be generous to make a difference together we can do more serve more reach more give more than than ever we could do on our own and so those are just little ways that we Fantastic. That's great. I love that. Did you see, I love what you're doing there with the first time kind of guest bribe for a lack of a better word. Right, right. Um, did you see any kind of difference in response rates on any of that stuff? Obviously, it's huge. Uh, over, overwhelming. Really? Um, you know, and, and it's, yeah, I mean, so it, it has been hard for us to figure out. We started that, um, I would say early summer, we started that. Um, and we went from probably 40 to 50 guests cards a week to um, 90 to 120 um, so it more than doubled so the the question for us is are we just in this incredible season of growth um, different from the last season or is it the the donation that we're actually giving to someone else versus giving to you so um, I think it's probably a little of both yeah little but, column but I mean, a little column B yeah. overwhelming difference yeah and we've not, we've not looked back so that's fantastic I know in our church we've I just want to affirm people that are listening in who are saying we could never do anything like that, the one for one or what you're doing on the first time guest stuff there. I just want to affirm you to step out in that. You know, we've seen that in our church and when we step out in generosity, whether it's kind of mass mobilization stuff or, you know, doing reverse offerings or doing this kind of thing that we're talking about there, our experience has been that the Lord meets us there financially and that that, you know, has been incredible, you know, and because and I, I know there are some people that live in the fear of that. This has been uh, this has been incredible. Anything else? There's a lot we could talk about, a lot we could right. dig in on. Chad, is there anything else you'd like to say before we jump into the lightning round? Yeah, can I just give a really practical tip to pastors? Yes, please do. Okay. So when we were in the early stages, you know, we had two or three hundred people, and so one for one cost us like three hundred dollars. Maybe it was three hundred eleven dollars. Okay. Right. You're not asking for 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 giving, right? But but you can say. Through one for one this week, we were able to provide three hundred eleven dollars in groceries. Okay, say it. Right. Don't right. ask for anyone to give a three hundred eleven dollar check. 
Right. But they will. Right. Every time. Right. I mean, it was amazing to us. If we said, hey, this week we were able to provide $620 and whatever through one for one. Yeah. Someone would write a $620 check to cover it. People started adding dollars to their giving just because they didn't want the church giving for them if they weren't giving yes. themselves. And so right. it's like you don't have to ask people. Right. Sometimes it's just let, let your light shine before men so that they praise your, your Father in heaven. They, they yes. see your good deeds and they get excited about it. Just if you're if you have that fear and we did right so just just say this is what we were able to accomplish last week and someone's gonna approach you in the lobby and say hey pastor I wanna cover that right. or hey pastor I wanna double that right. and then you get to go to that single mom and say it's not 200 in groceries it's 400 because someone in the church just doubled it they wouldn't have right. given that any other way right. so tell the stories because the stories are what are what challenge people and inspire people, and you'll you'll be so amazed how God works in the hearts and in the minds and in in, in in believers, and they're going to step up and cover that bill. This is the Unseminary Podcast: Stuff You Wish They Taught in Seminary. We're going to jump into the lightning round, that part of the episode where we uh, ask similar questions to everybody that's on the show. Today, I'm super excited to have Chad Fisher with us from Rock City Church. If you're not following Chad or Rock City Church, you are missing out. This is a great church. A lot of great things going on here. Super glad to have you on the show today. Chad, uh, what's an online resource that you're using these days that you're finding particularly helpful? Everything that I have uh, is stored on Evernote. <laughs> Don't lose your Evernote. <laughs> so I cannot. Um, also, a personal assistant is great. Yes, right. Those two together. Uh, because honestly, Evernote was hard for me to figure out, but I, I, I was fortunate to have someone figure it out for me. Um, yes. But we use Evernote. Um, I, I really love LifeChurch, mm-hmm. uh, LifeChurch.tv. They have so many great resources, so much that, that we're learning from them. Um, the Hillsong Network as well right. um, is a great network to be a part of because they just they constantly are feeding us with, with good ideas. Um, and then ARC, the Association of Related Churches, um, ARCchurches.com, um, just, just a great network of pastors that you can pull from. And um, So, yeah. Very cool. Um, what's a book you've read in the last, I don't know, six months to a year that's kind of shaped your thinking a little bit? Uh, the book I've reread, um, mm-hmm. which I would encourage every pastor to read, is A Tale of Three Kings mm-hmm. by Gene Edwards. Um, don't judge it by the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, it changed my life. Um, I read it while I was in transition. Um, everyone on our staff has read it and reread it. Every intern that comes through reads it and rereads it. Um, another book is Simple Church. Mm-hmm. Just a great, gives great practical uh uh, insight into how you can simplify your programming in your church. So uh, th- those two, I would encourage anyone to read. Nice. Uh, what's the other ministry that you're looking to to kind of inspire you that you know you're kind of looking up to? Yeah, Church of the Highlands. Um, you know, the association Association of Related Churches has a ton of great uh, pastors and churches. So Rick Bazette, New Life Church, yeah, um, Chris Hodges, Church of the Highlands. Um, like I said, Craig um, Craig Rochelle. LifeChurch.tv mm-hmm. um, does great things. Um, we love Hillsong. We sing a lot of Hillsong. Um, nice. But they're 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 uh, they'll, they'll feed you not just with their music, but but just with their with their teaching and um, just their creativity. It's incredible. So those are a few other churches that we like to follow. New Spring also. Right. I mean, they, they have a goal of reaching a hundred thousand people. Having a hundred thousand people in their church, they're going to make it. Right? They're going to get there. Um, yes. and so that's exciting to just watch Pastor Perry uh, just. He's just he's 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 doing things that no one else has done, and, and absolutely, we're learning yeah. from him too. Good. All right. So when you're not leading and you just want to kind of kick back and relax a little bit, what do you do for fun, just on your own personal time? Honestly, be with my family. Nice. I have a six and an eight year old, and uh, so we just like to do things together. 
I like I like watching movies with them. I like I like spending time in our backyard with them. I I'm I'm one of the few pastors when we get together with other pastors. I'm one of the few that does not have like a hobby. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. Ministry is my life, it's my hobby, but I would say my family is is more than a hobby. I mean, Pretty it's cool. I'm I'm content and happy just to get home with them every night, eat dinner with them, spend time with them. Very That's cool. Good. Well, thanks so much, Chad, for being on the show. If people want to get in touch with you or Rock City, how can they do that? Right. Uh, RockCityChurch.tv uh-huh. uh, is our website. Um, you can follow Rock City Church on Twitter. Yep. It's just Rock City Church. Um, I'm C. Fisher online uh, on Twitter. But um, yeah, that, that's how you can uh, you can get a hold of us. In, info at RockCityChurch.tv if you want to send us an email, you can do that. Uh, you can also send me an email, Chad Fisher at RockCityChurch.tv. So we're easy to find. Great. Thanks so much, Chad. Appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.